This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. If you have a Bible, open up to a couple of places. Mark chapter 11. Mark 11. And then Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. But we'll start in Mark chapter 11. Some months ago, we felt a sense, I did, that the Lord wanted to speak to us on the subject of faith. And so you can't really study faith in any depth without going to Mark chapter 11 because Jesus so succinctly and profoundly teaches on faith in that passage after having cursed that fig tree, you remember. But let's look here, and I want us all to read Mark 11 verses 22 to 24 out loud together. Mark eleven twenty two to 24. We're going to read from the New King James Version. If you don't have the New King James Version, that's all right. There are a lot of good versions. But just for the sake of us reading aloud, if you'll follow along on the screen so we can all read the same words, we'd appreciate that. All right. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 24. Reading loudly and together, let's read. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, these statements seem too good to be true. And yet they're true. I said, these statements seem too good to be true, but they are. and yet they're true. And Jesus is saying these things, but we have to learn some things about them so that we can get into alignment with them and begin to see the supernatural happen. Now, I won't take the time to do a lot of review today because I've got a lot to cover, but let me just outline verses 22, 23, and 24 today. First of all, in verse 22, Jesus said, have faith in God. And then in verse 23, he said, speak your faith directly to things, to the mountain, whoever says to the mountain, not to God about the mountain. Or not just commenting about the mountain, but whoever says to the mountain be removed and believes in his heart that it'll be done, he'll have whatever he says. And then in verse 23, Therefore, I say to you, whatever you ask, now this is a petition, a prayer to God. Whatever you ask, believe that you receive it and you will have it. So one is where uh, verse 22, have faith. Verse 23, speak your faith directly to things. Verse 24, ask God for things in faith. See, so Jesus, this is such a beautiful explanation. Now, let me just mention this too. And we covered this, that there are certain things we need to speak directly to and other things we need to ask God about. The New Testament never teaches us to ask God to remove Satan or a demon. Every place in the New Testament, put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Uh, therefore, uh, Paul, uh, Peter said, uh, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Jesus said, in my name, cast out demons, right? Never does it say to ask God to come and to get a demon off of you or to resist the devil. The same is true with our thoughts or words that come against us, not wrestling with flesh and blood, but just dealing with the words, the criticism, the arguments, whether we hear them with our ears or whether they're in our minds we take authority, we cast those arguments down. We say, no, no, I don't believe that. That's not true. Uh, you get a, a report from the doctor. We've talked about a, a bad diagnosis. Well, you know, you've got terminal this or that, and you've got six months to live. Well, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Thank God for doctors. And uh, for the most part, they're trying to give us the best assessment that they can. Isn't that right? So no need to get upset at them because you don't like the diagnosis or the prognosis. But nonetheless, you have to deal with those words that came in because those words will tell you something different than what the, the promises of God say. The promises of God say something that sounds too good to be true, like 
who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. I am the Lord who heals you. By his stripes, we are healed. Isn't that right? See, there's so many things in the word of God that say that God will overturn things that are there. But we have to deal with these words that come into our ears and into our hearts and they explode, these fiery darts that sometimes are uh, not intended to be harmful, but all oh, those words cause fear. Somebody says, you've got six months to live. How many of you know? At first, you'll hear that, and then within seconds, that thing will explode inside, and before you know it, oh, emotions go all over the place. And this is why the Bible says the shield of faith quenches the fiery darts. And you remember uh, when Jesus was with Jairus, and Jairus said, if you'll come and lay your hands on my daughter, she'll be healed and she'll live. But with that woman with the flow of blood, by the time uh, Jesus was finished talking to her, in fact, the lady was still talking, when they came from the ruler's house and told Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter is dead. And the Bible says, as soon as Jesus heard the words that were spoken, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. Why? Very quickly he answered so he could quench the impact of those words. Quench that impact of fear and despair and grief. Isn't that right? Why? To keep the faith in his heart, to protect the faith in Jairus's heart, because Jairus said, if you come and lay your hands on her, she'll be healed and she'll live. And so Jesus was able to go and to raise her from the dead. And so you can see very clearly here that Jesus is saying we need to have faith in our heart and some things we need to speak directly to the mountain, to doubts, to fears, to Satan, the enemy, etc. We need to talk directly to them with the authority given to us. But there are some things we need God to do. And especially when it comes to other people, because we don't have dominion over other people. You know, God said, let us make man in our image. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and creeping things and all that. But didn't say over one another. Isn't that right? So I can't, I can't use the name of Jesus and command my wife, you're going to do this and you're going to do that and the other. And I certainly can't do that with you and you can't do it with me. Isn't that right? But when we're dealing with other people... The Bible says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. So we can come to the Lord and we can ask him about some things and God can help us, can he? And God can do things. And so this is why we have to know that sometimes we're supposed to speak directly to the situation in faith in the name of Jesus with authority. And sometimes we need to petition the Lord. But in either case, they both require faith. And that's why Jesus began by saying, have faith in God. Have faith in God. So we know we have to have faith in God. But let me ask you this. Where is your faith in God? Where, is it, where, where does your faith reside? Is it in your garage? Is it in your closet? Is it in your bank account? Is it in your shoes? Where do we need to have faith? In our hearts. How do we know that? Well, verse 23 says, For surely I say to you, for whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in his heart. See? So we need to have faith in our hearts. So the first thing Jesus is telling us is, hey, listen, have faith in your heart. Have faith in your heart. We need to have faith in our hearts. So I want to talk to you today about how to control your mind. I'm talking about the inside of you, the inside of you. Have faith in your heart. Have faith in your heart. Now, what does the Bible mean by heart? I've heard some people equate the heart to the spirit. But I want to show you that though that's sometimes true, it's not always true. And more generally speaking, the heart is more than just your spirit. It's more than just your spirit. Let me tell you what it's not. He's not talking about the blood pump. Is that right? He's not talking about your physical heart. And does not doubt in his blood pump. No. No, that's a, that's a physical organ, your blood pump. He's talking about the inside of you. The inside of you. Okay, now, in 1 Peter 3... Verses 3 and 4, listen to what Peter said, speaking to women about their beauty and how they see their beauty. But it says this, Do not let your adorning be external, 
the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Let your adorning, watch this, be the hidden person of the heart. Be the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet what? Spirit, Greek word pneuma. Let your beauty be the hidden person of the heart, a gentle and quiet spirit, spirit. See, inside of your body, you have two parts. One is your spirit and one is your soul. Now, let me just show you the three parts of a human being. First Thessalonians 5.23, Paul said, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. Say that. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, you'll often hear people say body, soul, and spirit. But notice scripturally it says spirit, soul, and body. Now, why is that? Because when you're being changed by God, for you to be changed by God, completely saved, it starts with your spirit. First, you get born again. Your spirit becomes part of the family of God, cleansed, become, receives the righteousness of God. Isn't that right? So it starts with your spirit. And then your spirit starts working on your soul, your mind. And your mind begins to be renewed. Is that right? And as you grow in the Lord and grow in the word, your mind or your soul is being changed and saved progressively. And then when Jesus comes back at the end of the age, our bodies will be changed from corruptible, mortal, subject to death bodies to be incorruptible, not aging, not decaying, not subject to death anymore. Isn't that right? So this is the progression of how Jesus' salvation saves us. First, our spirits born again when we make Jesus Lord. Second, our souls being saved and renewed by the word of God. And third, at the end of the age, when Jesus comes, our bodies will be saved. So when Peter says, let your beauty be the hidden person of the heart, that means there's a hidden person and a not so hidden person. And this is why we have psychologists, psyche, right? Psyche, suke is soul. Psyche is the mind psychologists, psychiatrists and such, but we don't have pneumatologists in terms of spirit doctors, right? Because why? The spirit is the hidden person. The spirit is the hidden person. First Corinthians chapter two is where Paul says, but the pneumatikos man, pneumatikos man, the spiritual man, it says no one can discern him. No one can judge him because these things are spiritually discerned. You can only find the spirit man through the word of God. You remember Hebrews 4.12? The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. It takes the word of God to be able to, to, divide, to, be able to divide and to understand the difference between your spirit and your soul. It takes the word of God to do that. But nonetheless, they're inside, and inside of you are the spirit and the soul. It's your heart. So your heart is made up of both your spirit and your soul. One of them is the hidden person of the heart, if you're saved, that born-again side. And the other one is the part that God's still working on. That's the mind, will, and emotions and such. Now, watch this about your spirit in verse, uh, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 27. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Notice spirit and heart in the same verse, distinct. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. That means there's more to your heart than just your spirit. Can you see that? Searching all the inner depths of his heart. Well, how many of you know that everybody has a spirit, even unbelievers, except for their spirit, there's no light in their spirit, right? It's dark. Their spirit is disconnected and dead. See, when sin happened with Adam, that sin passed down like DNA. And so every human being after Adam was born deformed with a dead spirit, except one, Jesus Right, Because he didn't have that sin gene passed down. That's why the virgin birth. Otherwise, he would have gotten that sin gene and been born like that. 
But everybody else was born with this deformity called a dead spirit. And when you get born again, the light of the gospel comes in. And your spirit comes to life and it begins to be used as a lamp in, within you. So notice the spirit of, the, of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart. Now watch this. In Psalm 119 verse 130, the Bible says, The entrance of your words gives light. Gives light. How many of you ever had a lamp, but the bulb was burned out? Or it didn't have a bulb. Isn't that right? You buy it from the store. It doesn't come with a bulb. So, you know, you walk into a dark room. Somebody says, hey, do you have a lamp? Oh, yes, right over there. Click, 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 click. Nothing happens. Well, there's no bulb in it. You know, you got to get born again. But then you got to have light in that bulb. Isn't that right? you got to have light. You can't have a burned out bulb. Well, how many of you know you can get a bulb that's 10 watts? Isn't that right? Well, you got 10 watts of light. That's it. What does that mean? That means you might see the table about five feet away, but you're not going to see the trash in the corner or the dead rat that you're smelling in the other corner. Isn't that right? You're not going to see all that. Why? You don't have enough light. But did you know as you're saved and as you keep bringing the word of God into your heart, the more word of God you bring in, the brighter the light gets inside of your lamp called your spirit. And then your spirit starts looking around inside of your heart and saying, oh, look at that. There's some pride over there. Oh, that's pride. And, and you say, what? What? That's not pride? That's not pride. Oh, yeah. You've been telling me it's not pride. But the brighter this light gets, the more we see that's pride. Oh, look over here. We have some ulterior motives over here. Some self-seeking. Oh, envy. Look at that. See, and so, see, the Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Sin, not sins. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. But we're not, if the Holy Spirit was convicting us of all of our sins, we'd just be under conviction all day long. No, but as more of the word of God comes in, it brightens up our spirit inside and we begin to see the parts that are out of alignment with Jesus. Can you see that? So that's why we need to keep bringing the light of God's word into our spirit. And God uses our spirit as the lamp to be able to look inside and to get the inside taken care of, to get the inside working right. Now, this is all summed up in what Jesus is saying when he says, have faith in God. He's talking about having faith inside. So instead of just speaking faith to a mountain, he's saying, no, have faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Now, in Matthew 12, 34, Jesus makes this statement that you're familiar with. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, watch again. Have faith in God for whoever says to the mountain. Have faith in God for whoever says to the mountain. So he's saying, if you have faith in your heart, your mouth will speak to situations in your life and they'll change because you have faith and you're speaking faith. And when you pray, things you'll get results because you have faith. You have faith. Now, let me also show you this though. Did you know, even though this is true what Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible also teaches us that your mouth will speak things that are also not really your heart. Let me show you that. In Proverbs 10, 18, it says, whoever hides hatred has lying lips. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips and whoever spreads slander is a fool. So, you know, you, you, somebody might see something that they really hate and then they'll put on a happy face. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, good to see you. <laughs> lying lips. See, in their heart, they have hatred, but they're... They're saying something that's not in their heart. So see, even though Jesus told us, this is the general rule, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You will speak what's in your heart, but you can alter it and fake it. Can you see that? And, and it's in other places too. Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Right, So we can change what we say to make it sound like something's in our heart when it's not really in our heart. And this is why Jesus said, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes. You can't just speak faith and expect the mountain to be removed. You have to really have it in your heart. And any of us can sound like to other people, oh man, they were, I'm telling you that. I've, I've had people say it, maybe you've said it too, or heard somebody say it too, where they say, oh man, this person had faith, this person had faith. Well, you heard them speak faith, but that didn't necessarily mean that they had faith. They may have been really worried inside, but they knew the right thing to say is faith. And it is the right thing to say, to speak faith in God's word, isn't it? We need to do that. Even if you don't have the faith, we'll keep speaking faith in God's word because God's word is powerful and it's true. However, Jesus is saying, but you need to have faith. But you need to have faith, not just speak faith, not just pray faith, but you need to have faith in your heart. Can you see that? Let me give you another explanation here from Proverbs 23. Verse 6 says, do not eat the bread of a miser, a stingy person, nor desire his delicacies, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. See, he's saying, eat and drink, yeah, eat and drink, but he doesn't really mean it. He doesn't want you to eat and drink. He wants you to say, no, I'm not hungry, or I may just take a little bit. But if you say, really? Okay, come on, I'm glad you said that, because I'm hungry. Well, he'll smile at you, but he's upset. Can you see that? See, so if you think stingy, you are stingy even if you're not acting stingy. If you're thinking inside that, that uh, selfishly, that's how you are. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's how he really is. That's how he really is. Now, let's relate this now. We're talking about, I'm leading you towards something of controlling your thoughts in the mind. I want to show you. So I need to remind you of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is where in verse 4 it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, human level, but rather they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, things that hold you strong, casting down arguments, things that argue against the truth of God's word. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now watch this. Bringing every thought into captivity. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, normally when we hear the word captivity, we think about wild animals having been brought into captivity. Isn't that right? Bringing every thought into captivity. And this is exactly what we need to do with our thoughts. Our thoughts are like wild animals. They will run wild. They will do whatever the na their nature is. They will just run and do things that they should not do. Is that true? Our thoughts will cross lines, moral lines, ethical lines. Isn't that right? Reasonable lines. Our thoughts will just run wild. You can be sitting there as a married person in your seat and have committed adultery with three or four different people within minutes. Is that right? Fantasizing. Just hear your thoughts. And you're thinking, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting here. I'm just sitting here. But in your thoughts, you are crossing those lines. You are doing things. You are thinking things, making decisions all in your thought life. Is that right? All in your thought life. And you remember Jesus, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her, has committed adultery in his heart. Didn't actually say he committed adultery, but says, but committed adultery in his heart. In his heart. See, so this says, the weapons of our warfare give us the ability, these weapons are mighty in God, to bring our thoughts into captivity. To captivity. Now, some people get a twisted version of this and say, wait a minute, but... I want freedom. I want freedom. I don't want to be locked down. I want freedom. This is a twisted version of freedom. You know what freedom is? Freedom is when you have the ability to choose and do anything that you can and want to do. I was a believer as a teenager and I was bound with a spirit of lust. Sinning does not mean you have freedom. I, I did not have the freedom to be able to stop sinning. I was calling on the Lord, asking him to forgive me, asking him to help me. But I'm telling you, I was bound. I was not free. I was not free. 
And the Lord took me to his word, began to open up the scriptures to me. And I began meditating on the word. You know, if you continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. I came to the place where I had freedom that I could really either sin or not sin. Yeah, but I was not in freedom before. I could only sin. I couldn't stop. You see what I mean? Jesus sets us free. When you're free, yo, you can still sin when you're free in Jesus. Yeah, but you don't have to anymore. Oh, praise God. I've got the power to be able to walk in righteousness and to do right. So now I knew when I was bound with sin that I wasn't married yet, but I knew if, if I'm bound like this and I get married, it will destroy my marriage. I knew it. I knew it. But see, now I've been married nearly 36 years. And guess what? 36 years of bliss for her. (laughs) And me, and me. But listen, I've been married all that time. And listen, I have the freedom. I can sin and compromise. And I cannot. You understand? That's freedom. I have the power to do what is right. But I didn't lose the power to do what is wrong. Do you understand? It's true freedom. I didn't get to choose before, but I get to choose now. And even back then, I wanted to be right. I wanted to be right, and I couldn't be right because I wasn't free. But thank God, I'm free today. But we got to bring into captivity every thought Every thought, you know, you can, you can sit there in your mind and think about somebody breaking into your house and what you're going to do to them or somebody you dislike and violence. And I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. This is, this is our human minds have this imagination and we can let it go wild. We can let it go wild. Listen to what David prayed. Do you remember when David had committed adultery and then murder? And then finally, he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, and he repented, and he writes this beautiful prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. Listen to what he said in Psalm 51.6. He said, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. Not just actions, but, oh, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts. You desire truth in the inward parts. I remember praying early in our marriage, and I'll still occasionally pray this, but I would say to the Lord, Lord, I want my thoughts inside when it comes to relationships. I want my thoughts to be so pure and right with you, righteous before you, according to your word, that even if my wife could see every thought, every tempting thought, but how I responded to those thoughts, she would be honored. She would feel so loved. And this is what the Lord, he sees everything, doesn't he? He sees everything in our hearts, all of our thoughts. Everything is exposed to him. And so when Jesus says, have faith in God, he's saying, look, you have to get the inside situated. You have to get the inside thinking right and being right. You want to see the supernatural happen? you got to get your heart under control. Jesus kept his heart under control. Jesus kept his heart under control, kept his heart submitted to Father God. Isn't that right? Would not walk in pride would not walk in selfishness. He walked yielded to the Father, both inside and out. Can you say amen to that? It wasn't only external. It was inside. It was inside. So we've talked about the belt of truth. We've talked about the sword of the Spirit. We've talked about the shield of faith. But let's close this out. Let's talk about controlling what comes into our hearts. Controlling what comes into our hearts. In Mark 4.24, Jesus said, Take heed what you listen to. Take heed what you listen to. See, there are two major gateways or entry points to your heart, the eyes and the ears. Those are the two primary. The eyes and the ears. You know, you go to a store and there's entrance and an exit, right? And if they have power doors, you walk up to the exit, they don't open because you're on the wrong side, right? But if you go over to the entrance, they'll open for you. And then when you come back out of the store, if you go to the exit, it'll open for you. Well, your eyes and ears are the two primary gates that go right down into your hearts. That's why you have to watch what comes into your ears and your eyes. 
your ears and your eyes. Now, let's look over Proverbs 4. I asked you to turn there, but let's land on these verses here from 20 to 27. Let me read them through, and then we're going to just pick it apart a little bit, and this is going to help you. Proverbs 4.20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, my words, are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Now I'm going to hit these key words here and I want you to pay attention. I want to start with verse 23 and then we'll go back to the beginning. Watch this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with what? All diligence. Let me read that to you from the New Living Translation. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart, what? Above all else. Above your bank account, your investments, above your family, above your reputation. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen to this. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. See, you can say something verbally. We talked about this, right? You can put on something on the exterior, but it's your thoughts that will determine the future. Jesus said, have faith in God. See, we got to deal with the heart. We got to get the heart right. Okay, now let's go back up to verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. My son, give attention to my words. Did you know you can read the Bible and not give attention to it? Did you know you can put it on play and let the Bible be read to you and you're thinking about other things and you're distracted and you're not giving attention to the word? How many of you know that's very true in a marriage? Isn't that right? You're not hearing me. Yeah, I heard what you said. What did I say? Uh, you're, you're talking about something or other. Uh, is that right? Hey, even my one-year-old grandson, I'll hold him. He said, Papa, Papa, Papa. If I don't look at him, he just grab my cheek and pull it over. <laughs> Isn't that right? They know the difference between just hearing with the ear and giving attention. And the Lord says here, my son, give attention to my words. Give attention to my words. Attention takes time, doesn't it? The good news is we have time. We're used to saying, I don't have time. But we all have the same amount of time, don't we? We all have time. It's what we do with our time. Today is an age where we have the least excuse ever to not give attention to the word. Man, I tell you, you can be driving in your car, going to work, and you can have the word of God playing to you. Isn't that right? So to say, I don't have time. Oh, we have time. We have so much technology, so much opportunity to get the word of God in. You can wake up in the morning and put your little earbuds in and push play while you stumble to make coffee. Isn't that right? Now, I don't know how much attention you're giving, but let me tell you, you have an opportunity to give some attention and for the word of God to get in. We just have to do it. And there's a spiritual resistance from the adversary to get us to discount that. But we need to give attention to the word of God to get the light of the word inside of our hearts. Give attention, give attention. Now, before Moses died, God gave Moses some instructions about the future when they would want a king. Let me read this to you from Deuteronomy 17. And I want you to think about Solomon in the future. But watch this from Deuteronomy 17, 14. God says, when you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. But, now watch this, 
But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Solomon did that. He got into the horse trading business. He sent people to get to import horses from Egypt, and then he would export them. He'd make money on them. But God had specifically said, don't do that. I don't want my people going back to Egypt. Watch this. Verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives for himself. Isn't that what Solomon did? Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. It's exactly what happened. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself, which Solomon did. Also, it shall be, now watch this, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest. Make sure to get the best version that's been copied that the priests use, the Levites, verse 19, and it, the copy of the word, the book, the law, it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life. Why? That he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Do you see the wisdom from God? God says, look, get, get yourself a copy. Now, even in Jesus' day, Jesus didn't have his own copy to carry around. These were on scrolls. But the king... He said, you make sure. In fact, he said, you write it. You write it and you keep that copy with you. And of course, Solomon could have had somebody else do it. That would have still been him doing it. But he said, you keep that copy with you and you read it every day. Because if you read it every day, you will learn to fear God. Let me tell you what the fear of the Lord is. It's faith. The fear of the Lord is faith in the reality of God. That he exists what he does, how he reacts to our obedience, to our disobedience, to our love for him, how he reacts to how we treat one another. Oh, you start reading it and you start to see, oh, that, oh that's the way it is. That's the way he works with us. That's the way he's going to judge us at the end of the age. You read the word and you know what to do. See, and so God says you need to do it every day and you will learn to fear the Lord. You'll think reality and your heart will be right, your actions will be right, etc. Well, apparently Solomon didn't do that, did he? And if he did, he didn't stick with it. Because he began to do the exact things that the Word says not to do. And this is the way Christians are today. They don't bring the Word of God in. The light is not inside. And they begin to compromise a little more, a little more, a little more. Things that believers would never do think about doing some 20 years ago today believers just do it like it's no big deal and yet it's against the word of god this is why we've got to be in the word come on somebody say amen to this 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 is god teaching us okay now watch this verse 20 the ears my son give attention to my words incline your ear incline your ear incline your ear. Son, your ear will not naturally incline. It won't self-incline to the word of God. Your ear wants to hear all kind of nonsense. Your ear wants to hear all kind of music. Hear all kind of things on television. See, just because you watch it doesn't mean you're not hearing it too. See, incline your ear to my saying. Son, you, the spirit person inside, you tell your ear what it's going to listen to. Incline your ear to my sayings, to my sayings. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Isn't that right? When you incline your ear to the word of God, you bring faith. Have faith in God. How do you do that? Incline your ear to the word of God and you'll begin to believe God. You'll begin to believe his word. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So we have to incline our ear away from the ungodly perspective and incline our ear toward the word of God. All right. The eyes. Verse 21. Do not let them, the words, depart from your eyes. Do not let the words depart from your eyes. And verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Boy, this was important to me when I was a young man and the Lord was helping me to get control of my flesh, my body. You know, my spirit was born again, but my body, man, you know, Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of death? This body just wants to sin. 
Your body's not saved yet. It's not born again. Your body wants to look at what it looks at, listen to what it wants to listen to. Your body wants to do what it wants to do, eat what it wants to eat, eat when it wants to eat, eat how much it wants to eat. Isn't that right? Man, if, you, if we just let our bodies do whatever they wanted to do, we'd either be dead or in prison for the rest of our lives. Isn't that right? Or we'd be 3,000 pounds. I mean, we have to control ourselves. Our bodies are not smart. You have to control your body from the inside. And the more you know of the word of God, the better you know how to control your body. Well, I knew, man, my eyes needed to get under control. My eyes, so I'd use verse 25 here. I'd just say it out loud. Jerry, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Why? Because my eyes want to look at her and her and her and her and her. Just eyes. Isn't that right? And guess what? I found out. Even when you get married, that doesn't mean your eyes will just naturally say, yeah, I don't, I don't want to look at anybody. But my, No, your eyes are dumb. <laughs> no, am I, am I telling the truth? Amen. No, they just look. Listen to what Proverbs 27, 20 says. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. You can have somebody bound with pornography for 40 years, but guess what? Their eyes want to look at something again today. And you think, what else are you going to see? But the eyes just are never satisfied. We, the born-again spirits inside, have to tell our eyes, stop that. No, you're not looking at that. And we turn away. Is that right? We turn our eyes away. Let your eyes look straight ahead. All right. Verse 22. For they, my words, are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. This is the benefit of focusing on the word of God. Let's talk about the mouth. Verse 24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. So that's talking about other people's mouths perverse lips and such. You know, a lot of secular music is just about sensuality. And we don't think it affects us. We wonder why we're still struggling with the bondage of lust and such, but we're, we're listening to the singing of sensuality. Tonight's the night, baby. Right? This stuff, we, it just goes right down into our hearts. And we wonder, why, why am I still struggling inside? We feed it. We feed it. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. And listen to this. Proverbs 15, 23. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Did you know your own mouth can bring you joy or anxiety? Is that right? Oh, I don't know what we're going to do. I, 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 boy, I mean, if something doesn't change, I mean, in three months, we're going to run out of money. Man, I'm not sure how we're going to pay our house payment. You just talk yourself into stress. Talk yourself into anxiety. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. His mouth. I've seen people just start to talk about something. Man, I, I'm kind of struggling with something here. And then after 10 minutes of talking about it, they said, Yeah, I just, I'm, really, I'm just really concerned about it. It's like, well, 10 minutes ago, you weren't that concerned. But the more you talked about it, the more concerned you got. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and fear and anxiety come by hearing worry. Is that right? So we have to watch what's coming out of our mouths. I'm going to tell my wife a little bit here. Please forgive me for what's about to happen. I, I don't do this very often, but this is funny. This morning, this morning, I'm really telling on myself too, but this morning we're driving in the car together on the way to church. And, uh, and I'm driving beautifully as I always do. <laughs> and she decides she's going to put on her mascara, right? <laughs> and so we were coming up to a red light, and so I got the brake on, so we're slowing down. You know, you kind of lean forward like that. Well, then it turned green. So I let my foot off the brake. <laughs> let my foot off the brake and turn green, right? Well, then you feel that, you know, like that. And then I heard some noise from over here in the passenger seat. Oh, it wasn't joy. <laughs> and so um, I got a, a, a little instruction about driving. 
and particularly driving while makeup is being applied and such. And, uh, but then she said, she said, I'll be able to laugh about this this afternoon, but not yet. <laughs> and uh, well, it was about 10 minutes. She's laughing about it already. But the, the point is that our emotions want to speak. Our emotions want to speak. And we just have to be cautious. You know, Proverbs says, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. A fool vents all his feelings. Your emotions and mind are, are affected by what comes out of your mouth. They are. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? And what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Notice he didn't say, don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, and wear. He said, don't worry saying. Jesus is being very precise here. When you speak out your worry, it affects you. It affects you. You can be concerned about what you're going to eat, where, how your provision is going to come. But did you know you can do what Philippians 4, 6 says? It says, be anxious about nothing. Or another translation says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Got it down here somewhere. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Did you know you can say, Lord, I thank you for providing everything I need to eat, to wear. Thank you, Lord. All of my need is supplied according to your riches and glory. See, you're expressing the concern, but you're doing it in a context of reality that you're not like everybody else. You have a God on your side. And he made promises to you. Is that right? See, so we're expressing the reality of the situation, but we're doing it and including the truth that we have help. Can you see that? And let me tell you, it makes all the difference in the world to your heart how you address it. How you address it. You're not denying there's a problem. You're just denying that it can hang around because your God made promises to you. Some, come on, somebody say amen to this. Okay, I got to wrap this up. Here we go. You guys are taking a little long to learn today. <laughs> uh, in, in our, you know, the, uh, Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. So biblical meditation is to rehearse something to rehearse something. So if you got a sickness and you just take like Psalm 103, verse two, for example, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. And you just take some time and meditate on that. Who heals all, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Thank you, Lord, that you not only forgive all my iniquity so that I can come to your throne of grace boldly by the blood of Jesus. And receive grace and mercy to help in the time of need. But oh, you also heal all my diseases. Lord, that sounds too good to be true, but your word says it. So I thank you, Lord. I'm not forgetting this benefit who heals all my diseases. Who heals all my diseases. Is that right? Or by his stripes, we are healed, right? And you're just taking what the Bible says, what Jesus provided, and you're meditating on it. You're meditating. You're, you're speaking it and thinking about it. And what is it doing? It's washing away the doubt, the stress, the fear. And it doesn't mean that the situation has changed. The reality of the situation is you got that sickness. See, there's a mountain there. But you're taking God's word and you're changing your heart and the way you think about that situation. And you're thinking about God's power and his word and his goodness. See, and now you're having faith in God. Now you're preparing yourself to speak to this mountain. And for something to change. Can you see this? Is this making sense? We're talking about controlling the mind. Another thing is, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually. How often? Continually be in my mouth. When you bless the Lord at all times, let me tell you, you're thinking about the goodness of God. You're thinking about the promises of God. And it changes your heart. You're controlling your heart from imagining the worst case scenario to imagining what the Bible says coming to pass. This is meditating. I'll bless the Lord. Uh, Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness. Hebrews 13.15, therefore, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. 
It's a sacrifice not to say what your emotions want to say and to speak out the blessing of the Lord. Isn't that right? You're sacrificing. Jesus said, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true and I speak to the world those things I hear from him. He sacrificed what he wanted to say to say what God told him to say. And this is what we do. We're going to speak the word of God. We're going to say it even if our mind's struggling to believe it. It sounds too good to be true. Yeah, but the word of God says it. I'm going to dwell on the word of God. I'm going to dwell on the word of God. All right. Now, feet. Let me just get down to the feet here. Verse 26 and 27. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder, think about the path of your feet. Think about where your feet are going. Think about where your feet are going. Let me give you a revelation that hit me some years ago. This will help you. Watch this. This is deep. Wherever your feet are, so are you. Hang on to that. Wherever your feet are, so are you. Think about it. Ponder the path of your feet. Think about where your feet are. So if you have a temptation to flirt with somebody that you should not be flirting with, don't let your feet walk by her desk or his desk. Is that right? Think about where your feet are going. No, I'm, I'm just going to the restroom. I'm going to the break room over here. I'm just, no, I'm just on the way. I'm just going to the break room over there. We'll go around the other way. That's the long way. Yeah, think about it. That's why Jesus told us to pray. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us around temptation. Is that right? Take the long way, knucklehead. Is that right? Why? Uh, Proverbs 5 says, remove your way far from her or him or whatever. Remove your way far, far. Don't get near. Why? Because at a certain point, it's a slippery slope. Get out of there. See, and this is what he's saying. Ponder the path of your feet. Why? Because your feet will lead you into a place that will not only tempt you to sin, but also, it'll affect your heart. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. If I'm not mistaken, walking and standing have to do with feet. You're standing around with sinners, and you're hearing the counsel of the ungodly. Is that right? And let me tell you, the feet not only are talking about the physical feet, but they're also talking about what channel you're landing on. Where did, you, where did you land? The location, right? What station are you listening to? Can you see this? Where are you? Where, what proximity are you putting yourself in that is bringing something into your heart that's affecting it? What are you inviting into your heart? Because where you are, like if you hang around with certain people, you're going to hear anger, you're going to hear criticism, you're going to hear complaining, and guess what? You're going to be an angry person, you're going to be a criticizer, you're going to be a complainer. Oh no, I won't, I mean that, no, they're like that. Oh no, you're going to start doing it. Proverbs says, do not hang around with an angry man lest you learn his way and set a snare for your soul. Don't hang, even hang around them. Why? Because it's going to get inside of you. You're going to start thinking like they talk. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Can you see this? Don't be there. Just say that out loud. Don't be there. See, we need to not be there. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Remove your foot from evil. Get out of there. That's a, that's a modern translation that was just published just now. Get out of there. Get out of there. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, coming into our ears, nor stands uh, in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. See, the scornful. I'm going to speak these things. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to give my opinion about that person, that politician. I'm just going to say what I think about this, that, and the other. Scornful. 
Blessed is the man that does not do that. But rather his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be because he brings in the light of God's word. Day and night and delights in it. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth fruit in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. The mountains are moving in his or her life. The prayers are being answered. Is that right? Why? Because this person has attended to the word of God and the word of God changed them. Now, how many of you would agree this is easier said than done? That's that's bad to mess up on. Easier said than done. Isn't that right? (laughs) Supposed to be easier to say. Easier said than done. But we must do this. So right now, as we close, let's all stand. Let's, let's ask God to help us. Those of you in overflow, let's stand together and let's ask. Don't check out yet. Don't check out yet because it's not enough just to know this. We have to live this. This is what God has called us to do. If we don't live this and see the real God manifest in our lives with his power and his ways, the world won't know that we have a real God because they look at us just like everyone else. But if we do this, and if they can see, oh man, we can see the power of God on you. Well, they'll want to have that in their lives. So we need this. Let's first come to the Lord, and let's ask him to forgive us for where we've erred. Because we talked about so many things today. I mean, if, if you don't think you erred, you either fell asleep, or you're not in touch with reality. All of us have erred. So let's ask God, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for every place I've compromised, whether it be in my thought life, Lord, with my eyes, with my ears, with my mouth, with my feet, with my attention. Lord, forgive me. Your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us thank God from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us right now from all unrighteousness by the precious blood of Jesus. Cleanse us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us, paying for these sins. We receive that cleansing now in Jesus' name. Praise God. Now, let's, let's ask God now. Say, Lord, help me with my thoughts. Help me with my ears, with my eyes with my mouth, with my feet, and my heart. May I take captive every thought. In fact, let's just say this out loud together. In Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I choose to take captive every thought that goes out of bounds, that tries to cross lines, I say no. I'm born again. I'm part of the family of God. And so therefore, I will not allow my mind to cross ethical lines, scriptural lines, or to do anything displeasing to God or inappropriate. I take those thoughts captive in Jesus' name. And I choose to have truth in my inward parts down in my heart in my mind thank you Lord for the strength to take those thoughts captive and to control what my mind thinks so that I can think reality the truth of your word that I may please you that I may believe in you and that I may see your power work in my life, that Jesus may be glorified in me, inside and out, in the name of Jesus. And with your help, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I declare it in Jesus' name. 
And if you agree with that, would you say amen? Can we clap in agreement today?